Well, hello and welcome. You're probably wondering, what is CR doing out here on the stage by himself? Uh, well, there's a little story to that, and we'll get into it. But uh, if you are new today, if you're new here with us, welcome. We're, we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, for everybody who is in attendance here and also watching online. Uh, welcome. We have, uh, well, we have been in a series called In God We Trust, question mark, and we're going to continue some of that today. And, uh, but, but before we move into some of that, I want to say we, we do have a QR code. If you want to know what is going on, what is upcoming, all the stuff, we have it in an e-bulletin, which is available online. You can actually go to the website or you can just shoot this with your phone and uh, you can find out everything that's up and coming. And on top of that, you can give, which is important because we can't actually keep the whole thing operating without uh, the giving part. So I know if you're new with us, then you're probably like, yeah, that's what churches always say, right? But that is definitely the case here, and uh, we definitely appreciate the, uh, the giving. So uh, again, there it is. You can also text to give to the number 84321 and put in any amount and text that number. So again, you can go to the QR code or the website, and you can find out all the stuff that's coming up. So yes, getting into uh, the, the series that we've been on, in God we trust, question mark, do we? Uh, and God is like, uh, obviously he's doing something with me on that today because I'm up here with the mic and I got to do this uh, without Sean and Jason. So I, uh, am I trusting God? I guess we're going to find out. But uh, in order to uh, move forward with that, I, uh, I, don't, I don't, generally don't do the speaking thing myself. I've done this years ago. You know, uh, I've never been a lead pastor, but I have done the speaking thing. I've been a pastor on staff at other churches over the years. I've done that, but that's not really my thing. I love to have conversations. I love to have a dialogue with people. I like to go back and forth and kind of have an exchange. So when I found out about this, Jason and Sean, are, uh, they got stuck. Their connecting flight uh, did not, they didn't make their connecting flight, so they had to spend the night in Charlotte. They were at a pastor conference, and, uh, and uh, they hit me up yesterday, and they're like, hey, guess what? We're not going to be there. What, what, what do you want to do about that? So actually, the first thought that came through my mind was, I want to hit up somebody that I have a great uh, uh, dialogue with outside of the church when we're just hanging out. And his name is Pastor John Atkinson. So I want to introduce him for those of you who know him. Uh, John used to be the lead pastor here uh, just a couple of years ago. He was the, the primary lead pastor here. So thank you, John, for joining us, joining me. <laughs> we have these kind of conversations all the time. We do. At least once a week, maybe two or three uh, times. Yeah. Uh, so, um, again, I'm very grateful that you were willing to step in at the last moment. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, this in God we trust, do we, question mark kind of thing. In the last couple of weeks, we talked about finances, right? So we talked about giving. We talked about the kind of things that sort of poke in at our heart. That's really what the core of that is, right? When churches talk about uh, giving and the financial thing, yeah, you got to keep the lights on and that kind of thing. But a lot of times it, it's really more about the heart issue. We hold on to certain things because we find our security in those things. And God is calling us out of finding our security in those things and looking to him for that security. And so there's a wrestling match that kind of needs to go on. You got to kind of work through some of this stuff. 
So we did talk about the financial piece. And again, if you didn't uh, know over the last couple of weeks, yeah, we are down, I think, 30 to 35,000 for the year, which means we're going to have to, uh, there's going to be some significant changes if we can't uh, make that up before the end of the year. So we do encourage you to step into that, like think about maybe what God's calling you in that, in that space. Um, but that isn't the core of it. The core of it is, okay, God, what, what am I holding on to? And it might not just be the finances. It can be a lot of other things. There's other things that we struggle with. And uh, that's really what this whole series is all about. So traveling down that path, we, uh, we have another fun one today. We're going to talk about politics. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Simple. Easy. <laughs> we're not really talking about politics. We're kind of talking about what that does to us, right? We're, we're in the world, but not of the world. We're citizens, but are we? So that's a, what, what do we do with that? If, you, if you've uh, made a commitment to follow after Christ, there's a different pathway. There's a different viewpoint on all of this kind of stuff. We call ourselves Christians because it's the, we're following after the example that Christ set for us, right? And so how do we navigate these cultural issues, the, the current cultural climate, which is, you know, boiling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it ever not boiling, though? I mean, I kind of think back, like, it's always been kind Someone's of... Someone's always mad. Right, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, I invited John in for this conversation because you, you have to do that. So, uh, John, how do we do it? How do we do this thing where we're chasing after Christ and then we're in this messed up world? You didn't tell me you were going to ask me to give the answer. Well, <laughs> actually, I have a thought about that, believe it or not. Yeah, I and bet I'm not you mad do. About it. I bet you do, Panama Red. No, there's really a pretty simple question we ask when we're dealing with something like this, which is, how did Jesus do it? Right? We've seen that. I'm not, you know, we've seen the little bracelets. What would Jesus do? But there's really, that's a simple question. And we have it laid out before us. There's, it's not uncertain. It's not hidden. There's no uncertainty about what Jesus did. He came into our world, he sought the most disconnected, those farthest away from God, those least likely to ever believe that God would love them or accept them, and he pursued them. He did have some conflicts, and the conflicts and the rebukes were always toward those who considered themselves more righteous or more holy than everyone else. It's a very simple formula. It happened everywhere he went, every village, Every interaction, every engagement, it happened over and over and over and over again. So if we ask ourselves as citizens of the world, what are we supposed to do? We do that. And there's a very specific purpose that he had. He spoke it. It's ours as well. To seek and save the lost. Not to beat the snot out of them. Not what? To t- it's not. I didn't say anything. I said it's not. That's Maybe I, I told you I was going to clean that. it up. It's not small group. Just kidding. Just kidding. Raunchier in small group. But anyway, yeah, it's not, you know, to tell people how bad they are, how terrible they are. That's a done deal. Jesus has already told us that. That's true for all of us. That's true for everyone we meet. The question is, how do we respond to it? Now, there is a huge problem, I believe, um, in the Christian subculture, and it's that um, we've adopted the instruments and values and tools and ways of the world, and what we've decided to do is take everything over and tell people how they have to live. That's not the pathway to salvation for Jesus, ever. 
Now, instead of often asking, how did Jesus approach the issue? You can interrupt me when I get wrong here, by the way. You're not, uh, okay. you're the one with the MD. I've just got, I merely have a master's of theology. He has an uh, yeah, MD. Yeah. That's like another level. So we try to take over p- uh, political power, something Jesus never did. As a matter of fact, when the disciples talked about it, Jesus smacked them back pretty hard. Um, and we try to attack those who need grace. And try to make them change because we don't like that need. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us fearful. It might rub off on us. It might rub off on our kids. It might rub off on people we know. Now, just think of Jesus. This is the picture I want you to have. Jesus, at the end of his life, has gone to all these places and done those things I just said. But he's walking into Jerusalem with 12 disciples, which everyone understands. The 12 tribes of Israel. The Sanhedrin is leading Israel, right? They're leading, they're leading the local area, even though they're under Roman rule. And he's walking in. It's clear to everyone. This looks like a political coup. There are people lining the streets saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're throwing palm fronds in front of him. It is a, it's, it's a royal, majestic march into the seat of power. Yeah, and that would have been, like, really uh, uh, upsetting to a lot of people at the time because, uh, you know, you realizing that the Jewish culture, which is kind of living with this Roman rule, and the Romans are trying to keep the peace and, like, take over all these different areas and, you know, keep the and so they kind of deal with the, the Jewish culture. But then you've got this whole kind of upheaval thing happening. I mean, it would... You know, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. And who did Jesus question? All of the established powers exactly, and established yes. religious authorities. Yeah, yeah. So he's walking in there, and it looks like a coup. Could Jesus have done a coup? Darn right he could have, pretty easily. Even with just the people that were there, he could have done a coup. And people are thinking, good Lord, this is awesome. The disciples are thinking, this is great. We're one of the 12, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to make sure that things happen. You know, we're going to make sure the right religious protocols are followed, the right curriculum in schools, no unholy action goes unpunished. And the disciples are thinking, this is well, we will be established. Mm. And then in a few days, there's a lot of violence, and uh, Peter completely denies Jesus and draws down filthy curses on people worse than what he says in small groups. And... <laughs> Just kidding. Again, it's a running joke. He's not kidding. (laughs) And the dispersion of the rest of the disciples and an awful demeaning public death that no human being should ever experience. Yay, we win. Right? But this is the hard thing. That's how Jesus won. And if you're not ready to follow the way Jesus won, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. It is not about one-upping people in this world or in power or looking the right way or getting your way all the time or enforcing morality on someone who's not going there because the Holy Spirit has not convicted them yet. Jesus won through sacrifice, through humility, through, like many Christians who have lived the Christian life, death, sometimes persecution, Hmm, seems to remember Jesus said yeah, that I'm, was going to happen. I'm kind of like, yeah. okay, so, so let's, uh, let's not speed bump this. This is like really, really important. I have questions. Oh, Okay, so, so, so you, got this, you got this guy. You're saying he could have taken power because he has, clearly has the support. This whole 
thing is going on here. And he has the God thing going for him. And that there's that whole divinity thing, you know. Uh, and yet the move wasn't, hey, I'm going to rise up these followers and we're going to overthrow everything for the kingdom uh, by taking power and, and when, when he clearly could have done it. He lays down his life. He goes the other direction as far as anything in this life is concerned. Any, if you, if you want to go take power of something, if you want, if you want to, you know, if you're a CEO and you want to take over another company or whatever it is that you want to do, you, you got to leverage all that power and you got to, you know, make some heads roll, right? You got to do some things. And he was in that position and then goes the other direction with this, which is, yeah, it's not about leveraging this power that I have in that way. I'm going to actually lay down my life and show my followers, this is how you do it. This is what winning really looks like. Yes, and it and not and of course the uh, the uh, the the power of Jesus' death to pay for sins, right? Right, because right? yeah. he was going to those who were far off, going to those who were living difficult, screwed up, messed up lives, like all of us have. And his death on the cross offered the power mm. for that change that we yearn for and that we look for in our yes. world. We want the world to change, but. Unfortunately, that power is never going to happen by any of us taking control and running it. Mm. We're just not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. We're not pure enough. I don't care how pure you are, how long you've been a Christian. It ain't there. Yeah. Right? It's almost as if we're fallen people. In a fallen, in a fallen world. world. Yeah, I used to say that every once in a while. Thank you. Those of you who've heard me speak, I say it's the <laughs> I love it. I use it all the time. I, I feel like this is, this is so important, and I think sometimes when people hear this, they kind of feel like we're being dismissive, going, going, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter, the political structures and, like, going and getting tortured and whatever. You know, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, well, maybe that's actually a part of it. You don't know, uh, you know, those uh, – yeah, there are, there are moves that you can make, which are power moves, that can put you in a better position. And so often in the Christian world, we put forward this idea of, like, that's the pathway that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go for the power position, be in control, and – basically create a theocracy where we tell people what to believe and how to behave and we do it from our moral center and that's not what Jesus is doing here and and that creates a major tension in us because you know there are some political issues that are on the table right now there are some leaders who are espousing some goofy things and there always are but like particularly and there are some issues that are on the table and and it should cause you to wrestle like, you definitely need to work through that. Mm -hmm. But where is that coming from? Is that in submission to God? Is, this a, is, a, is it coming from that point? Or are, are you thinking out of fear? I want to protect my Christian culture, and I want to put power in, in place so that my Christian cultural uh, world is not disturbed. Right, it's protected. And we, we all of us do that. And it's much harder, say this, because it's much harder we're in a democracy. Mm -hmm. So we all have a level of power to assert, right? And we, you know, and it's okay for us to have opinions about that and be involved in it and for Christians to run for office. It's, those are all fair. That's not stuff we can't do. But what bothers me, I think, is, is the lack of humility and acknowledgement of the way we set up who the enemy is and the way that we don't mm -hmm. and not understanding our own sinfulness, our own failures, 
uh, often showing a lack of compassion on those who struggle with things that we don't understand, that we just want to label as bad or wrong or evil. Um, and it's, it's a lack of understanding of our own sinfulness and our own need for grace. There's a passage here that I think really lays this out. Is that okay? If I go By to that, all means. You, I didn't mean to turn us There yet. is no interrupting me. All right, I'm, all right, the, I'm the guy good. who interrupts you all day In long. case you're wondering, I'm more preachy than he is, and he's more conversational. So, but there's a really powerful passage, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11, that really talks about this whole issue of, of citizenship and the citizenship in heaven and um, also gives us some insight into what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the world as well. This is what uh, it, the, the challenge to the church is, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now listen to these. These are haughty terms, right? Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. Whew. We are up there, baby. Yeah. That's awesome. Why? So we can declare how amazing it is that the God of the universe took us who lived in darkness, still have darkness, probably would one for the darkness when we get a chance to, can declare the wonderful deeds of God. And then he goes even further. We say, what's the demarcation of that? What makes you a royal priesthood, a special possession of God, a holy nation, a chosen people? What would make you that? It's not how good you are. It's not how holy you are. It's not how morally perfect you are. It's one thing. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Mercy is the demarcation line. Not how great you are. Not whether you're superior than people who don't know this. It's that you've received mercy. And there's one way to receive mercy. To humbly acknowledge you really, really, really need it. That's the only way to receive it. Yeah. And that's where we have to live. So the challenge continues. I urge you as foreigners and exiles or aliens and strangers is another way the Bible often says this to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And those sinful desires, when we, you know, most people see that, they just think sexual stuff, and that's part of it, but there's also a lust for power, a, mm -hmm. a lust for money, a lust for influence, a lust for, you know, not acceptance, I wouldn't say, but um, uh, elevation, you know. Certainly. Um, right, applause. Yeah. Um, and so there's this challenge that we, we are citizens of heaven, but it comes with a different way of going about it. And for citizens of the world, and most of us have experienced this everywhere, when you're a citizen of the world, someone's always trying to one-up you. Someone's always wanting to be better than you. They want power. We've seen it all over the place. Churchy people sometimes do this to want to be superior. Good-looking people sometimes walking around thinking, I'm better looking than that person. Wealthy people, I've got more than you have, and I've built it, and I'm worthy. I'm athletic. Athletic people, I'm stronger. I'm faster. You know, bullies often will do that to people to try and put others down. You know, we have this kind of idea of what mean girls do to other girls and junior high and high school and someone is always trying to elevate themselves those are some of the sinful desires we want to be careful not to do that mm -hmm. we want to be careful to think 
I'm a chosen people, a royal part of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But I am not going to try to elevate myself. It means I elevate God and His work. Mm-hmm. I, that's so significant. Um, what you what you said there. The pathway to trust is this humility, this understanding that I need a Savior. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the right answers. I don't have any of this kind of stuff. This is about my total submission to God and just being completely uh, obedient in that direction. So sometimes I call this the, the vertical thing. So it's like, essentially, if, you're, if your relationship with God is primary, then the other stuff flows out from that, right? So uh, your relationships with your friends, your family, your decisions, so therefore your political views and all that other kind of stuff, all of that should be, number one, the, the, the primary pathway is this vertical thing between you and God. Are you doing everything as unto God? As, that's the big question. Are you doing everything, everything as unto God? If you, if you're, if you have said, yeah, I'm following after this Jesus guy, <laughs> that is what he was putting forward over and over again among, with his disciples, what he was discipling in them, what he was showing them is it is about this first, the relationship with God first, and then the other stuff flows out from that. And essentially, that's a pathway by which you can engage living in this world, but not being of this world, right? Right, absolutely. And so, but there's this thing that gets in the way. Uh, it's like, the, it's, it's like the, there's a lie of an evil one that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's been out there. It's almost like that was in the um, Garden, of Eve, uh, Garden of Eden narrative. Uh, this whole telling you lies so that you embrace that and you ignore your relationship with God. And I feel like that is the biggest uh, issue between us being able to enter into a trusting relationship with God is are we ready to let go of the lies of evil, you know? Uh, they're going to be there. We're going to continually, the enemy will be uh, trying to feed us those lies. But can we hold on to the truth to such a degree that we can let go of these lies? Because you know what they do? They cause fear. They cause worry. Mm -hmm. And then we react out of that, right? This is what a lot of the political stuff is all about. When When you hear people talking about the political, whatever the agenda is, left, right, whatever, Generally, it's out of a space of fear. If we don't do this, then X will happen. And the whole thing that we're talking about here is this is transcendent. This is a transcendent view of living in this life and understanding that we are, we are connected to the Almighty God. If we can embrace that, that really blows all the other stuff out of the water, right? But it's so big. Well, we talk about this too sometimes. It allows us to see above and beyond what we're in the middle of. Yes. Because yeah. God's, got a, God's got a global view. And I, I remember as a Christian when, you know, um, Jen and I were involved with the campus ministry. And we had the chance often to, to meet. Uh, it was a global campus ministry. And we had an opportunity to meet people from all over the world. Had very different thoughts about politics and economic systems, by the way beautiful, amazing, effective believers in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we have a very monolithic small box that we think everything lives in, democracy, capitalism, this kind of thing, that kind of thing. Not everyone sees it that mm-hmm. way. I mean, imagine meeting someone who's committed, you know, whatever we, you know, how we, we, we come up with words that we say are, um, you know, that are trigger words or whatever, but um, 
it's not the right word, but that, that get people mad, like someone who's a socialist, mm -hmm. but who's so much further along than you as a believer that you won't even be able to see them in heaven, right? That's possible. We think it's not sometimes, falling out here. We think it's not all that sometimes, but it is, mm -hmm. you know, and then we come up with words even in our own culture, right? But what are the, the mean words that we throw back and forth? We, you know, woke is one of them. And then uh, extremist uh, or right wing yeah, extremist. Right -wing right. extremist or what if it could be true that the most woke person, you know, is a deeper, more committed follower of Christ than you are? Mm. What if it could be true that the most right wing extremist that, you know, could be an honest, loyal follower of Christ more than you are? What if both of those things could be true? Those are the kind of questions I ask because those are not the things that decide what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Faith and grace decide that. And one of the fear things, you, you've, you know, in this whole thing, you've talked a lot about fear. I mean, I know it's, it's a key thing for you because we do yeah. get afraid. And what happens is we don't want to wait on the Holy Spirit to work. We don't, we, we get tired. I'm sick of our country being this way. Mm. I'm sick of it. It's time to change. It's time we raise our voice. It's time we take this over. We don't want to wait for the Holy Spirit to convict anyone. We don't want to, we don't want to wait. God's plan may not be for America to survive and become the city on a hill. It may not be. God's plan may be for America to disintegrate in 75 years. And we all think, well, it's up to us to stop that. May not be. It might be. May not be. So we'd be faithful to the things that we're called to. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen here. I love America. I'm glad I live here. I can't imagine living anywhere else. It scares me to think about it falling apart too. You yeah. know, it does. But my ultimate hope can't be there in, yeah. a, in a secular political system or a secular political philosophy or a secular economic system. And we get scared. And so what we do is we try to grab power and we try to control it because we don't like how God is working. And our goal has to be to do the work of God the way God called us to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what our goal is, yeah. so that we can declare the glory of him who brought out of, us out of darkness into light. Yeah, that's so transcendent. It's so big picture and above. Uh, you know, I was going to make a comment. You, you mean Jesus didn't come to establish America? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, there's a, a lot of that thinking that gets plugged into uh, the Christian culture here. And uh, the, the reality is, is no, he did not. Um, it, it, the, the, he's calling us to something so much bigger, so much greater. And his plan is not one that we're, uh, we can't even really begin to fathom uh, the, the massiveness of his plan. We, we view everything in the here and the now and this momentary stuff as if this is what is defining the, everything. And it, it, it isn't. It isn't this life. God has it. God has it. And that may sound dismissive. I understand uh, that when we say do not worry, I guess fear not in the Bible 365 times. It's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I've heard that. But I do feel it's really important. That's why we wanted to talk about this today is if you're going to engage in trust, if you're really questioning, do I trust God? Do I trust God? Or do I think it's up to me to do this thing and then, you know, maybe God will follow us you know, through on this side of things and, and, and make my plan work out. It's like, you really got to enter into this, do I trust God question. And uh, I do believe that fear is a big part of that. Like you said, you know, I bring that up. The, the, Jesus discipling his disciples, uh, there's this section in Matthew, and I didn't have this one to put up there, but 
I recommend that you go read it because I don't like to just cherry pick scriptures out and just toss them in here. But there's this whole section in Matthew 6, 25 to 33. And he starts it off with, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, uh, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. So we get so caught up in our little, the minutia of the moment. Um, and he goes through this whole thing, and, and in verse 33, he gets to verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own trouble. So I, I feel like, this is, this is a very important theme that we've, we've got to pick up on here. This is a transcendent thing where God is calling us to trust him and, and rise above. Rise mm-hmm. above these uh, momentary things that we get so caught up into. And we draw lines and ostracize people over, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. So you're saying if we see the kingdom of God the way we should see it, then that's going to help us with that sense of anxiety and fear Absolutely. about the world. Yeah. And understand there's some things we might be able to control, some things we can't, but that doesn't change the fact that the um, eternal God is at work in the world that mm-hmm. we live in and can be at work in our lives and can be at work in the lives of those we know. Yeah. Um, I feel like, do you, have, do you have other thoughts you want to get into on this? You know, I have one analogy I thought about. Yeah. Can I say it? Absolutely. Are we at time? I just heard this the other day. It was in an education setting, and they were talking about people not being able to learn outside their own box. And he says there's a, there are two fish swimming along in the ocean, and this older fish swims by heading back toward where they were. And he looks at the two fish, and he says, how was the water? And neither of them say anything and just uh, look at him as the guy goes by. And then one of the fish looks at the other fish and goes, what in the world is water? <laughs> right? Because they're in it. Yeah. They're in the middle of it. They can't see beyond it. Water, the concept of water is meaningless because that's all they know, right? And sometimes we do that. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in the world, and someone says, well, be in the world but not of it. You know, what in the world is the world? Yeah. How, how do you be out of it? That's all we're surrounded by. That's all we smell and taste and feel and our emotions respond. And, you know, and the, the funny thing is to be able to go, okay, there's a world operating here. There's a kingdom operating here. That's, that's part of the glory of all these things we talk about becoming a follower of Christ is the Holy Spirit comes into your life and helps you understand deeper things. There's a viewpoint we see of grace that we might not have ever seen before. Right? Our, our, you know, our human responses is always defensiveness and frustration and anger and going, well, that, that person is just struggling just like I am. You know, and they might be doing something I would have done the same way to someone else. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are ways that we start to, uh, with the, by the renewing of our mind, there are ways that we start to understand the world differently. And then we don't respond out of fear and a lack of wisdom as much as we do. Yeah. And this is hard. We're not like putting this forward as if it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just trust God and, you know, don't <laughs> worry about anything in, right. in this life. I know it's hard. I struggle with it, too. You know, it, it is definitely, uh, it's very challenging. It's challenging times that we live in. There's a lot of things that are not comfortable. 
And what do you do with that? And that's why we're asking these questions. That's why we do this here at Press. We want you to press in on this stuff. We're doing it at the same time. Like we're wrestling with these things because we know it's hard, but we have a pathway. We have, uh, we have an example. And if we're really, you know, following after Christ, if we're calling ourselves followers of Christ, then this is what you have to do in the process. There, there is a taking up your cross. You do uh, need to be obedient, and we're all struggling with this all the time. So it's a challenging thing as we enter into the, the political season. Uh, we're talking about the finances issue. Um, these, are, these are tough subjects. I'm not sure they're not the kind of subjects if you want you know, people to be, if you want the piles of people coming in the doors, this isn't the fun stuff, right? This is actually the challenging stuff where you have to kind of work through, work through these things. But we have so much in the, the patterns of Jesus that he laid down and what, what he talked about and how he told us to operate in this life and uh, to be transcendent and recognize that we're, our identity is in him. It's so much greater than what is right now. So I have one, one scripture I want to leave you guys with, um, John 14, 27. And this is, again, this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples here. And, and uh, without going too far, we're already over time. We, you and I could just talk all day long. We yeah, we do this too much. Yeah. Um, but he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. It's his peace. Not what we're thinking of as peace. That's very important to understand. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's not a dismissive statement. This is Jesus telling us, I'm God, I've, we've got this. Let's just trust, trust me. And that's what we're being called into. And we have to ask ourselves, are we doing that? Are we trusting? Got anything else? That's okay, I'm you. gonna pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for this uh, opportunity, even though uh, <laughs> I would not have planned it this way. This is the way that we, this is, this is what it means to follow after you. It's not our plans, but it's your plans. And even this morning and this opportunity to be here and to present your word. God, I just pray that our hearts are open to what it is that you have, that it isn't our words, but it's yours. It's yours. And that when we walk away from this place today, that God, we hold on to that. That we look at the things that might be getting in the way of our ability to trust you. That the fear stuff gets in there. And where's that fear coming from? Where is it really coming from? Can we ask ourselves that honestly? God, I just pray, be with us as we walk through this life. We know that you are, you are our sovereign God. We thank you that you've brought us into this place together, that whoever is hearing this, online, here, on a podcast, whatever, God, you are sovereign. It's your kingdom. We thank you. We praise you. In your name, amen.